0: Thank you for tuning in to the Rose Metal Podcast hosted by Emily Rose. In this podcast, we talk about the transition out of sports and any struggles athletes may have faced during sports or afterwards. Rose Metal's mission is to provide resources and support for current and former athletes. We have two types of shows we have interviews where we talk to athletes about their experiences, and we also do shows on current events or topics that relate to the mission. Welcome to the Rose Metal Podcast. I'm Emily Rose, your host and the co-host, Ribe. Hello <laughs> <laughs> and, and our special guest, Kendall Burton. Hello, hello. Hi, We are so excited to have you. I'm so excited to hear your story, but first I'll give you a little intro. So Kendall Burton played softball at the University of Georgia. She graduated with her degree in communications. She is working full-time in the fitness industry and loves to be a dog sitter for her friends. She loves reading memoirs and eating breakfast foods. She is the ultimate motivator and lives by the motto, live your version of normal. So thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. So something that I didn't mention in the intro is what we're going to be kind of talking about a lot is you had a stroke. Yes, I did.
1: So when I was 18, about two months into my freshman year of college, I survived an acute ischemic stroke. And essentially what that means is there was a lack of oxygen to my brain for a certain period of time. Um, It caused me to lose a lot of cognitive skills, so I wasn't able to read, write or talk for a handful of months. And it kind of like obviously made studying and being a student really difficult and very challenging. Um, And to this day, we're not totally sure exactly what happened or why it happened. But in a nutshell, that's kind of uh, the gist.
0: Okay. Um, That's a lot. So, yeah. Okay. So this happened at UTSA, yeah?
1: Yeah. University of Texas at San Antonio
0: What was my first university that I attended playing softball. And then the way we got connected with you is you knew Riley when you went to Oklahoma State. So what happened there? Yeah. So
1: I decided to transfer. It was kind of one of those moments where, um, you know, I had been through such a test in my life, and I kind of was noticing just how elite I really was within my life and on the softball field. And I just kind of had this moment where I was just like, I want more for myself, and I think that I can get it. So I'm going to transfer and try and – just have a different, more challenging uh, softball career in college. And granted like that's not me trying to diss UTSA. Like I absolutely loved my time there. I loved my coaches, you know, there was nothing um, like terrible about my experience there. It's just more of like, I really wanted a chance to potentially play at the college world series. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of my biggest thing was like, well, you gotta go put yourself in a really uncomfortable position. Uh, And that led me to Oklahoma State where I met Riley. She's one of my roommates. We became very, very close.
0: Um,
1: But unfortunately, uh, right when I got to Stillwater about two weeks in, there was a lot of, um, I guess, controversial opinions we can say about clearing me due to my medical history. So I ended up actually never being um, medically cleared or allowed to play for Oklahoma State. So how long were you there? I was only there for a fall semester. So I moved there in August and I left first week of December.
2: Yeah, it was like around Christmas break.
1: Yeah. And then about two and a half weeks later, I moved to Georgia. So, <laughs> uh,
0: so were you like skeptical at all with like moving to another school being like, oh, I hope the doctor clears me or like? No, so actually,
1: um, it was a really interesting fall semester at Oklahoma State because um, there was a lot of back and forth, like Oklahoma State kept saying, like, yeah, we're going to clear you, like, we're going to sign waivers, you're going to sign waivers, and it'll all be okay, um, type thing, and then it just kept going back and forth, back and forth, and during that time, you know, me and Coach G, who is now still the head coach at Oklahoma State. We were just trying to find any, like, both of us were putting in time and effort, um, our own personal time, trying to find any, any university that would clear me. Um, and basically, I don't know, I felt like I was the Grinch because it was like nobody wanted to get near me with a 10-foot pole. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, like, they saw my history and what was going on at OSU. And they're like, oh, my God, she's a bomb. Don't touch her, leave her be, type thing. Yeah. Um, and, like, granted, I get it, you know? Like, that's a big um it's a risk, you know, and like the thing is, if one school thinks you're a liability, why would anyone else not look at you like that type of thing? Um, But it ended up being University of Oregon and University of Georgia were the only two schools that were number one interested and number two medically cleared me, Um, which is like, wow, you know, like what incredible universities to like pick from. And so going to Georgia, I wasn't nervous because I already been cleared by the medical staff there.
0: So you told me on the phone before we started rec- recording that uh, that the the stroke was pretty much random. So how were you able to like be affirmed that? Like how were you able to be sure that it was pretty random?
1: Um, I mean. I guess just like trusting my neurologist. Um, you know, essentially he was just like, Listen, you don't have a pre existing condition that was missed um prior to this stroke. You're in incredible health, like you like your cardiovascular is great, like there's no added um instances like within your brain that could give you another stroke. Um, you know, now like you're at birth can which um, if people aren't aware, like some birth control is like a big
0: um, yeah side
1: effect is potential blood clotting, which can lead to a stroke, obviously. And so I guess it was just also like, I mean, my doctor told me like, listen, you're one in a million case right now, that means you're going to be one in a million if this ever happens again. Um, and I, I just really trusted that. And also, I think that um, being just so young, I mean, I was 18 years old when I survived a stroke. And you're just naive to really how intense cer- certain events are. Um, and granted, I like lived a life like having surgeries all the time. Like I had 23 surgeries by the time I was 17 anyway, but that was something that was very different than a stroke. Um, and so I think it's just like a mix of, I had already been through so much in my childhood and then, being so young and so hopeful and optimistic. It was just kind of like, I'm fine. I just want to live my life. Like I was never afraid that I've never, I would have another stroke. That never okay, occurred
0: wait. to me, truly. Hold on. How many surgeries? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah. So I actually have had 23 surgeries by the time I was 17. Um, I was born with a birth defect. It's a um, unilateral clasp and, and mine was just really severe And essentially, like, what a cleft lip and palate is, is that you're born, like, with a hole in your face because your lips and your nose doesn't form fully. And that leads to, like, really a lot of sinus infections, a lot of just, like, um, your breathing's impacted in a different way. And also, like, your ears, because all of that is literally in the center of your head, like, right behind your nose and your skull. So there was just a lot... um, that came my way as a kid. So I guess in a sense, I was very prepared to have a stroke at 18. As weird as that sounds. And like, I do like vividly remember someone asking me like, are you mad? Are you upset that this happened to you? And I remember responding to them. And I said, no, I'd rather it be me than anyone else. Like, I'm
0: prepared, like I'm ready to do it. That's great. Um So another thing you said was the, the birth control, uh, mm-hmm. for anyone that doesn't, isn't familiar with like blood clotting, um, the birth control is added hormones and added hormones can make your blood thicken. And so my mom, mom was born with a, a birth defect and she has DVT, uh, specifically she has May Thurner syndrome, which I wouldn't expect anyone to know what that is, but Basically, she got a huge clot in her left leg when she was about my age, and um, she was on birth control, I believe, I think, and she was, like, sedentary, so she had been an athlete her whole life, and then she, like, stopped working out, and um, she was, it it just kind of caused her to have that birth defect come into her life all of a sudden. Like, it's always been there, but it, it was, like very accentuated with the mixture of birth control and being sedentary. Um, She thinks that she avoided it for a long time because she was an athlete. So just being careful with birth control. Um, I didn't get on it for the longest time because I was scared that I was going to get what my mom has and scared to get uh, any type of blood clot. So um, just being careful with birth control is something Mm -hmm. that athletes should be aware of. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: well and also just like understanding what you're taking and like what that means like what hormones are being put in your body like it's just I mean I've learned so much obviously uh, after having a stroke <laughs> but I like now it's just it's just very interesting how certain things that like people take in everyday life actually be a um a big risk in a sense
2: wasn't it that summer was I mean I was it was my first year at Oklahoma State too And I think that summer there was a basketball player there that like, you know, they had that heart thing where they dropped dead and like, yeah, there was a player there that did die at Oklahoma state. And so like, it was unfortunately with like you going in there with like your stroke stuff, I think Doc Ivan, obviously like, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not you know making a case or anything for oklahoma state but i was just saying how unfortunate like that timing was for you because i just like i remember i remember i remember the first day i saw you first day i met you and kendall is just a beaming light in any room that she walks in and (laughs) i'm serious and like it was she was kind of like intimidating to me because people who like have a really good sense of self uh, I, that's who I want to be. And I'm like, God dang, like I can't wait to get to know this girl and stuff. And like, you know, obviously we got to know each other very well. And it was just so, it was so heartbreaking for me just to see her not be able to participate, you know, in the 6am runs or practice or anything, just because like I knew from day one that Kendall was something special and she was just so awesome. And at this time I didn't even really know anything about her stroke or, you know, what she's been through. And it, you know, Kendall has been one of the best things that has walked into my life when it came to the timing and stuff, just because she really helped bring out a part of me that like I, you know, I'm not the you know, most confident with and stuff. And, you know, to this day, like I talk about Kendall and we, don't, it, we got the type of like relationship where we don't talk every day. But when we do talk, it's, you know, we pick up from right where we left off. And I know I'm going on this tangent, but like Kendall is, she's amazing.
0: You, you honestly, Kendall sounds amazing. Like I, all I knew about her was <laughs> was that she, she she had a stroke and she still <laughs> ended up playing, and that's freaking awesome. But I had no idea you had 23 surgeries before your damn stroke. Yeah, <laughs> guys. Oh my God, you're really hyping me. up. my ego is <laughs> being very
1: boosted right now. oh god um but going back to the first thing that uh, Riley mentioned there was an athlete at Oklahoma State um who had a pre-existing heart condition that was missed um and granted it was one of those heart conditions that's really hard to find um in general and so yes that did lead to a lot of hesitation with my background and my history within like the medical space. So it's, you know, I, I understand it just still really, really sucked because it was kind of like, man, now you're afraid and my life is being like really impacted. And I think that was like the biggest lesson I've ever learned. Um, like going through something is that if you really cannot control what you can't control,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, like I literally couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't tell and yell at the, do- like, I couldn't, like, what was I going to do? You know? Because mm-hmm. of, um, like, it, I don't know. It was just, um, it was just very overwhelming to really like be in an environment where like you're learning all of these like phrases that you're being taught, like, as a kid, you know, like control the controllables, you can't control someone else, like all this stuff, like all these things that you were taught as like a young adult, like in high school, all of a sudden were like right in my face and I was having to actively like use them, Um, which really sucked. It was cool, you know, now I look back at it, it's like, wow, you know, what an uplifting experience. But like during, I was so miserable and Riley can definitely (laughs) attest to that. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I tried to make the best of every day, but man, it was not ideal um, at, by any means.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys at least became friends and and got some good good out of that that time. Oh my and- god, no! Yeah. Like
1: I had so much fun with Riley. Like I will, I loved being her roommate. I loved just hanging out with her. I loved when she would come home from practice, and we would just kind of like we it, it was just like she for me like Riley was like a saving grace at Oklahoma State like if I didn't have her I don't I think I would have fallen into like a deeper pitiful despair like (laughs) without her like truly because I mean I was already like you know fighting so many things that were working against me but like Riley was my bright light so it's so, so nice to hear like that was
0: just so sweet I'm glad mm-hmm. we think the same of each other. I, I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> yeah. <right>. Wow. Maybe <laughs> I should just go fuck off now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, Emily, join the pack. Come oh, over here.
2: Emily, you'll fit in just well.
0: All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your your experience with the last workout that you had before your stroke, and then your first workout after your stroke.
1: Yeah, um, so I actually did have a uh, a TIA, which is basically a warning stroke. It's just like your body letting you know, like, hey, guess what? This is going to happen. And that happened on a Monday, and I was actually it was during practice, and basically just like I just realized, like, I had no idea what was really going on, and I was running all these foul poles, and I I had been done for so long, but I remember. And so I was just kind of like jogging back and forth for a while. And then they said like, Kendall, it's your time for like live hitting. And I was like, oh, okay, like in my head. And I remember trying to talk to my friend Lauren, um, who I'm still very close with. I was her maid of honor at her wedding. I remember like wanting to tell her like something doesn't feel right. And I was just breathing heavy, like no words would come out of my mouth. And I was like, well, maybe you're just tired. And then I couldn't really lift up my right arm And so I put my helmet on like just with one arm I was trying to get some practice swings in. And I remember my assistant coach kind of looking at me funny. And then I got in the box and I just realized like, you are unwell. Like something is very wrong right now. Um, And I couldn't talk. I was just huffing and puffing, trying to like get words out of my mouth. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I'm talking about in a second, I was fine. Couldn't talk. I was breathing normally. Everything was perfectly fine. My right arm felt fine. Like, I wasn't like brain fogged or dazed and confused, but I had this like splitting headache. And the day before I had a headache as well, but I just thought like, oh, you're just coming on with a cold, like whatever. Um, And then the next day, you know, you get to practice and we were in trouble for something, couldn't tell you what, but we were on um, the practice field, the practice football field, uh, right next to our softball field. And we were running suicides and we were having to go, you know, 10 yard back, 20 yard back, all the way down to the hundred. And I don't remember how many times we had to do that, but I'm, I would like to say I'm a very fit person. I was one of the people on the team that like actually enjoyed agility work, um, and like weightlifting. And it was the first time in my entire life where I was like, I, I physically need to pass out. Like I cannot do this. Um, Like I thought my head was going to actually explode off of my body, but, um, I don't even know. I don't know what in me wasn't telling the trainer, like, Hey, something's wrong. I was, I'm just such a, like, I have to finish at the finish type of person. Um, but I just remember like, literally thinking like, God, please let me just pass out right now. Like, I can't, I cannot physically like do this anymore. Granted, I did complete it. Everything was, I guess, quote unquote, fine. Um, But yeah, that was kind of like the days leading up to the stroke. And then the day of my stroke, I actually attended my grandfather's funeral. So that was like also just like a lot overwhelming. It was just a very
0: intense couple of days. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) My jaw is on the ground. Um, Mm. That's what, three days in a row of not feeling well?
1: Well, granted... I guess I can share it now. I wasn't feeling well for like a week. Um, I had like a really intense cough. And when I was in the hospital after I had my stroke, my mom was like, can you just like check this out? Can we get her some, something like Jesus? You know, she like one up a lung over here. And it turns out I actually had walking pneumonia and bronchitis, but they're oh. very, um, yeah. And, but they were very like, that wouldn't give you a stroke. There was nothing, um, because I think it got worse. Um, Like the day once I already had the stroke, I got more sick. Like I was sick, but I just thought I had a cold or something. Mm. And like we did, yeah. And we ran all these tests and stuff, and like they were very like sure and adamant that me having bronchitis and walking pneumonia did not give me a stroke um, because there were just all these signs that like they would have been able to notice and tell. So, but they I didn't have any of those. So it was just there's a lot to this story, is what I'm telling you. <laughs>
0: I'm not like
1: it's like a lot to unpack.
0: So, you had 23 surgeries, walking pneumonia, and a stroke. And then, have you been okay since? <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I mean, I have been okay since. The only thing I really struggled with um, I, after I had my stroke, I started suffering from post stroke seizures which are very different than like a seizure that you're picturing in your head. It's not like, um, you know, I fall over randomly and then I start literally seizing. Um, A post-stroke seizure is essentially my dead brain cells, which I have a handful of them now due to my stroke. And they will fire instead of my active brain cells. So like, essentially, um, sometimes I will just have these moments where it feels like I'm having a stroke again and sometimes my speech will get slurred and sometimes like i'll have these um like kind of like shaky moments but it's not like you know i can like control the shakes i guess you can can, you could say and um so i dealt with that on and off for a while uh and i mean i'm happy to say i haven't had one in like eight months maybe a little Mm -hmm. bit less than that so like i mean but it's just it's a very natural normal thing that happens to stroke survivors so i always say that like it's um like it's a plus and it's kind of like it's the perks of being a survivor that I get to and I'm allowed to experience those seizures. So so
2: like if oh, okay. So if that if that happens and you start experiencing those symptoms, how how do you how do you differ if it's the real thing or just what this is going on or do you go to the hospital regardless of like what's what you're feeling?
1: Um I just you just know. I guess like it's kind of one of those things like when you know, you know, and the seizures feel, it's the sensation like I'm having a stroke, like my body, but like I'm not disoriented. Like when I actually had my stroke, like I was having a really hard time like piecing together like where I was, what I mm-hmm. was doing. Like um, like it was it was like every five seconds I had to remind myself like, okay, you're in your dorm room right now. Like you're like all of these things. Like when I had, when I was having my stroke actively, the first thing I thought was that I was hallucinating, like, because I just couldn't keep up with time where I what like what was going on. And that doesn't happen with my post-stroke seizures. It just looks really uncomfortable and it makes everyone else very uncomfortable. But, um, I really only just went to the hospital every time it happened when I was out of university. So really at Georgia. Okay. Yeah. But, like, if that happens now, like, there's no – like, what are they going to – they're not going to do anything for me. They'll hook me up to an IV, I'll get some rest, I'll be hydrated. But, like, there's nothing they can really do for me. So, I, I don't need to go to the ER or the hospital
0: or anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. And then what was your first workout after the stroke, like?
1: Oh, yeah. My God. That was four minutes ago. Um, So – the, you know, after I had the stroke, and I physically was okay, like during the stroke, I had, um, like I couldn't walk, like because my right foot and my right arm just like wasn't functioning properly. But once the stroke was over, the only deficit I had was no speech couldn't, you know, uh, rear right you know that those big things but my body was physically fine I could walk I could you know live my life I could actually brush my teeth brush my hair all the things so I was very like oh my body's fine so I can just work out and do whatever I want right and granted like my neurologist told me he was like you know take it easy you have to remember that like your brain is literally healing like you have a giant open sore um that needs to heal and Once again, I was 18, so that meant literally nothing to me. I was just like, okay, well, I'm just going to, you know, live my life the way I'd
0: like to. This is when we experienced a little bit of technical difficulties, so please bear with us.
1: I chose not to withdraw from my classes until the very last day, which was sometime in December. And the reason I did that was so that I could attend workouts, practices. Um, And granted, I wasn't doing anything, but I... I wanted to stay where, you know, my life was putting me. Like, for example, whenever my, uh, when I had my stroke, you know, my parents really wanted me to come home. And, you know, in my very minimal speech, I was like, no, because like, if I just go home, then that means I just quit. Like, what am I going to do at home? The same thing I can do here, go to therapy, like, but here I can be a part of a team. Like here I can like, try new things and see, like test out like how well my recovery really is going, Um, which is why I stayed in San Antonio. So I felt like I should share that before I go into my first workout after my stroke. But essentially I told the trainer, I was like, I want to try and work out tomorrow. They're running like these agilities in the, um, on the basketball court because it was raining, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, I want to try. And she was like, okay, just go really easy that is not in my vocabulary. Like it's either go hard, go home. Like I can't just be like 50% let's chill. Like that just doesn't, I can't. Um, And so I ran whatever agility it was, you know, there's X amount of cuts and turns and I pulled myself out of it, which I've never done in my whole life. I've never like not finished an exercise, a workout um, that I've started And I remember I went behind uh, where no one could see me and it felt just how it felt the day before I had my stroke. Like my head was, I thought it was going to burst. Like I was just so uncomfortable and I was in like, honestly, so much pain. And I remember in that moment, I remember thinking like, this is going to be so much
0: harder to come back from than you thought. What did you do after that? Did you take some time off and then try it again? Um, after that, uh, I didn't
1: try and participate in any further workouts with the team, because number one, like with, I'm an extrovert at heart, like I get so much more um, energy from being around other people, especially when I'm working out. So I was like, it's not healthy or safe for me to even do that. Um, I did a couple of like core workouts in the training room, like little like body movement stuff just to like keep myself active. But I didn't like truly start training, working out, lifting weights, like doing agilities until I got back home uh, from San Antonio for Christmas break that December.
2: So what what was the timeline from when you had your stroke to your first like you tried to run? Like, how long was that? I had my stroke October
1: 29th, and I'd honestly say, like, three weeks after that.
2: Oh, my God.
1: Um, But like, that was the thing. It was, it was so easy for me to hide how severe some of the things that I was dealing with was because it was Mm -hmm. just my speech reading and writing. And granted, those are big ones. Okay. But I wasn't going to school. Like I wasn't going to class because like, I knew that those things were not attainable for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And granted, I did go into a class just to sit in and like by myself, you know, I was just trying to be like, okay, let's just try and take notes, like see like where you're really, where your mental's at. Like, and I couldn't like, also my comprehension was barely like, it was so hindered. It was, it was bad. And I remember just sitting there being like, and I, I was trying to write notes and I couldn't even remember the first word that he said. And he, had, it, it, I mean, it, it was just horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried to work out before that moment. And that moment came because after I worked out, I was like, yo, you're like, not okay. Like, yeah like and then i had to go through those moments of like okay how severe is this really like how much work are we gonna have to put in in order to like you get to go back to your version of normal um which was me just being a student athlete at utsa at the time like that was my dream and my goal
0: so you still went back for the spring
1: yeah i um i trained i like practice with my dad started going into the gym when I got back to Houston and that was really good for me because I was able to navigate my own workout. Right. And like, you know, okay, this is, it was just easier than having a being a team atmosphere and feel like I had to like give everything and more. Um, and, and granted I was doing that for myself, but just didn't look like I was used to it looking. Um, and I mean, granted when I got back to school, everyone thought I was crazy that I said I enrolled back in the spring. And did I take the easiest classes possible? Of course, um, because I still couldn't, my writing was coming back. My speech was like almost there, but like not totally. Like I would say my speech didn't come back until the end of the summer, um, like fully came back until the end of the summer um, after the, after October. So that next August and in school i just i basically just told my professors i was like listen this is the deal like i you know i'm not gonna ask for more time i'm not gonna ask for x y and z i'm just giving you like this is what my life looks like right now so do with that information what you will um but my thing is i just wanted to play softball like Mm -hmm. Like gr- growing up um, and having all those surgeries and stuff, like I only got one offer from a school. Like there was no one, like I had this big jaw surgery and it really hindered my recruitment experience because it was like, you know, I had to get this surgery done. And then all these schools were like, well, we're not sure if you're going to come back the same player, you know, blah, 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 like all this stuff. And I just, I literally got one shot to go D1. I mean, I hadn't looked at JUCO's. I w- that was my next step. I was like, okay, if I don't get like an X, Y, and Z offer, I'm gonna find any JUCO that will take me, um, and then I can transfer to a D1 after that. So it was just, I mean, I don't know, just playing softball. I already just got come overcome so much. I was like, I'm not going to let the stroke like ruin the only four years I get to play um, in college because like the the odds of you playing professionally are so small in our sport. Mm.
0: you were so strong I would have quit probably
1: <laughs> no don't say that
0: <laughs> I would have at least gone home like I mean <laughs> I need my mom um
1: yeah I mean me I I'm honestly still surprised that I can't believe that I was like no I'm not going home with you like why would I do that um but it, I think it was just so like me just being just being so like no this is what my life is supposed to look like and I'm, I'm gonna figure out a way how to how to make it look that way um but granted my mom did stay for like three weeks in a hotel and like she would i'd say she's at my beck and call if i really need her like she took me to my to my therapy session sometimes and she would take me to get lunch while everyone was at practice you know like she just kept me company with the things that like, i couldn't do anymore um So my mom was there. Like, it wasn't like they just totally left me alone. My mom would never in a million years just be like, okay, bye. See you later. You just came out of the hospital. (laughs) Um, But so, yeah, I did have my mom and my dad came up like almost every weekend. So um, they were still very involved. How far is that drive? Three, three and a half hours. Okay. Yeah. So we're not talking about like a 10 I'm honestly so blessed that I, you know, that was the only offer that I got like at UTSA because it, things could have played out very differently if I started at OSU or started at Georgia, um, you know, because that, that might have really changed how I um, went about my decisions too. Uh, so it's like, there's all a, there's always a silver lining somewhere in the story. Mm-hmm.
0: That's awesome. Um, and then... Did you get to play all four years?
1: I did get to play all four years. Um, I obviously freshman, sophomore year, played at UTSA. Junior year, played at Georgia. um, And there was like kind of a, they filed a, like a, I want to use the word report, but that is not what I'm, like filed a case again against the NCAA basically just explaining my situation so that I was allowed to be on the roster and enrolled to play at Georgia. Um, But that was also like the first season I ever kind of like sat the bench. I got the starting spot after being there for five weeks and then was just acting like, you know, an energizer bunny trying not to lose it because I just Mm -hmm. gone through all of this stuff, like couldn't play in the fall. Couldn't do like, there was just, all of these things were like piling up in my mind and I lost a spot because I was terrified of losing it. Right. So it was like, and then I learned, you know, a huge life lesson in that aspect. And then it was just this whole thing.
2: So, yeah, I was, I was so devastated that, you know, things didn't work out at Oklahoma state and everything, but like at the same time, like I knew there was just something great that was going to be in store for you. And I just, like, I knew things were, I don't know what it was. I just knew things were going to work out for you. And, you know, I was the biggest Georgia Bulldog fan there was. And then you ended up going to the World Series. And I'm just like, yep. Like, I, I knew that. Like, I already knew it. And, like, it just, it, it was just such a blessing in disguise. Like, you know, even though it was a very short time I had with you, like, I wouldn't change it for the world. And, you know, it's just, oh it's just amazing how things turn out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no. I mean, I feel that way all the time. I'm just like, yeah, my experience was so hard. Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. it was really challenging. But like, it, I mean, I met so many people, I was challenged in so many different ways. Like, now, you know, I was a huge cowgirl fan, even after all that stuff happened, because like, I grew to love the people on that team, you know, Mm -hmm. like, obviously, Riley, Her and I talked, like, all the time after I left for Georgia. And, like, Mm -hmm. we would call and talk. And, like, every time we saw each other at tournaments, it was just, like, it was something that, like, I knew other teams were jealous of. But I just, like, knew everyone around me um, Mm -hmm. because of the experience that I went through, right? Um, But, like, I mean, it's just everything unfolded in the most beautiful way possible. And Mm -hmm. honestly, Riley, you can say the same thing because you wouldn't have gotten to the World Series if you didn't tear ACL.
2: I know exactly. It's crazy. And
1: I wouldn't I would have never gotten to the World Series if I got cleared to play at Oklahoma State. So Mm -hmm. like it's you know, it's has it's crazy. Have a funny way of working out. So I'm saying. Yeah,
0: Yeah. both of you guys imagine if you both quit, you neither of you would have gone to the World Series. Nope.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like just, you know And then like, you know, after
2: after she gets done at Oklahoma State, goes to Georgia, balls out, all that kind of stuff. She's one of our banquet speakers right before season at okay. Oklahoma State. And, again, like, Coach G thinks, obviously, we all think the world of Kendall and stuff. And it was so cool for her to be able to come up on that stage and, you know, just share her story. And she does a lot of a lot of speaking. And she's she's just so brave. Like, I just, I can't. Like, I love Kendall.
0: Like, Kendall is such an inspiration and, again, just such a light. Yes. Kendall, one day we're going to have a rose metal some sort of, like, banquet event thing and you're going to speak, okay? Oh, she left. <laughs> we experienced a little bit more technical difficulty here, so sorry about that. And please bear with us again.
2: We were like, we scared. We were like, yeah, you should come speak at our banquet, and then it was like, hang up. <laughs> well, what I was, what
1: what I responded with was, <laughs> I would absolutely love that. I would love to speak at any event Rose Metal ever hosts. I would like die. I'd be thrilled to do that. So that was
0: just question one.
1: Um, <laughs> cool. I'm ready. I'll go uh... shorter now.
0: So now, I mean, we might skip a couple of these questions, but I do want to go on to this next question, and it's Riley's turn to ask the question.
2: Okay. (laughs) All right, Riley, lay it on me. What is your version of normal? Okay.
1: I feel like my version of normal is just, like, being empowered and doing things that make me feel like I'm being I'm bettering myself and I'm bettering someone else around me. And like that just really is the end all be all of like how I want to live every single day of my life. Um and if you would have asked me like what's your version of normal eight years ago, obviously it would have been, I just want to play softball, have a social life and get decent grades. You know, like that's literally that was my Mm -hmm. version of normal. So I feel like your version of normal constantly, it's a state of change um, because like you're constantly evolving within your own life and you're growing and your dreams are evolving and um, opportunities come at you that are different. And so I think that like, I think the version of normal that I, I really like to live by, like I, um, I find that to be like very comforting is something that is constantly in motion. Um, Mm. And I think you can see that for anybody, Um, like anybody's life, anybody's life choices within a career, love, friendships, you know, all the things.
0: Um, Well, that's a really good answer. I just wanted to ask that question since you live by that motto. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like,
1: I guess, I don't know, my version of normal is it's ever flowing, Mm. um, which I love. I think that's my favorite part about why
0: it's kind of my life motto. Yeah. Um, Okay. I'm going to move on to the next question. So rose medal is all about the transition um, out of sports or just transitions in life. So what was the transition out of playing competitive sports like for you? And what did you do in your newfound free time?
1: Absolutely horrible. Um, (laughs) I was so miserable and I knew like, I knew that I was going to struggle like every single day of my senior season, I went to the field and I was just like, man, like this is, I remember having days at practice where I was just looking out at everybody and being like, man, I'm going to like, I'm not doing this next year or the year after. Like I, my days are literally numbered. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, at the time I was dating this guy. So I kind of was able to like, um, escape by going to visit him and be with him the entire summer after my season ended. But then, you know, I still, I still had a full year of school left and I went back to Athens, Georgia and I was, I still had fall and spring until I graduated. And my free time just was like, nothing could fill up my cup. I mean, I just worked out excessively. I tried to like learn how to cook. I started reading more I, like it was it, all of these things that I thought that like I was going to really enjoy now that I had the time to do them weren't enough um, like they just weren't enough there was nothing that I could do to fill up my day that even made me feel remotely the way that softball did whether I hated mm-hmm. the day at practice because it was horrible we got in trouble we did this or it was like the best game of my life you know what I mean it was like none of those experiences that I was being able to give myself now that softball ended were, there just weren't enough. And I thought I was just absolutely nothing without softball. And I had a really hard time, especially because, you know, I literally lived my life to play softball. And that was, I started to realize that softball was the only way I, I, was able to get through all of my, um, medical circumstances, whether I was a child or in college. And that was a really hard realization knowing the weight, um, that softball, I mean, I I was just softball was carrying a lot of weight for me, um, that I had no idea until it was gone. Mm Um, and so, I really, I mean, I really struggled. I became like really depressed. I was really impulsive with my emotions. Like I always been impulsive with my emotions. Like, obviously I just up and made decisions pretty quickly, but I thought them out a little bit. And then I was in a, in a state of just like, I mean, just impulsive, unwell, um, impulsivity, I would say. And so I just I really struggled after softball ending like I was I was not myself for like two years I can and even then I was still struggling but I was able to handle it better. When was your last season? 2018. Spring. Yeah.
0: Yeah um, it was it, it was pretty rough for me too. Well I had like a like a slow like way out of it but um, out of softball, but it's, you know, you you don't realize how much emphasis you put your life on softball until it's over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the
2: the craziest things for me, like, was I would wake up in the morning and like rush around and get ready because I felt like I had somewhere to be. And then that realization of like, oh, I have nowhere to be, you know? Yeah. And like, yeah
1: and like that feeling of knowing that you're not expecting anywhere yeah, yeah. like the you know what <laughs> i mean that feeling of like i actually don't like i don't have to go to class like no one's gonna miss me if i don't exactly go to class. do you know what i mean yeah. That like, got scary. I, it, yeah and i was like oh so literally no one cares that i'm alive now because yeah. i don't like <laughs> as dark as it sounds <laughs> <now, laughs> that's like how it is no it it does it is very dark because that is the feeling that you get like I remember being in class being like okay cool so I met this guy three weeks ago he's nice uh this chick I think her name is Louisa like it's just like who are these people that now I'm this is like the highlight of my day can't wait to go to mathematics class 9 a.m like
0: what (laughs) just horrible (laughs) horrible yeah yeah math clubs um but like Especially for you, you faced so many challenges like throughout your childhood and college. And like, even then, you were like, you know, I'm I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna train for softball. I'm still gonna play softball. And it feels like you fought for softball and then like softball's done. Softball broke up with you.
1: Yep. Worst breakup ever. It was a death. Honestly, like, I feel like we always talk about it being like a breakup, but like, it's a death that's still alive. Yep. Like, cause it's a yep. death for you. You know what I mean? Like us will never play college athletics again. Like that's a full death for us, but college athletics and college softball still lives on and you're not allowed to be a part of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I like, <coughs> even to this day, like I, I have a hard time, <laughs> like I love watching softball, but at the same time, I absolutely hate it because I'm just like, God dang. Like those were the days, yeah. you know? <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah
0: yeah uh i can i can't even imagine like going through all that and then like it, like fighting for playing your sport and then like you do everything for it and then everything you do everything for your sport and then your sport is just like no, you're done, you dropped off yeah
1: but like i mean like yes, the softball thing in like all of my medical history was so impacted like for me like in a different sense but like I remember um one of my like well she's one of my family friends I've known her since I was like eight but Courtney Emanuel she was still in school as well in Athens and her and I would get together like once a week we'd go to dinner or whatever and I remember that her and I didn't talk about like how bad we were struggling for like four months and then finally we like unloaded about like no dude like I am deep in depression like I am not well like getting out of bed is actually hard like it's like physically hard Um, and, and I know that you guys felt that exact same way. And here's the thing. It's like, I just don't understand. Like, you know, our coaches always tell us like, this is, these are the days of your lives. Like it's going to end. It's going to end. But it's like, no one prepared me for this. Like you said it was going to end. You didn't say that. Like I would end because that's how it feels like I know the sport would end obviously. Like, I feel like there needs to be a portion of it, of like you were going to feel like you ended too. Like there's nothing for you outside of this. And I feel like that was a hard moment. And I know Emily and I discussed this a little bit on the phone before we hopped on this call. Um, It's just that like, it's just not promoted. Like you're not prepared. Like it doesn't, Mm -hmm. like you really just, no one really prepares you. And I feel like people should talk about it more because it's like, All of us are just, like, floating through air pretending, like, we're fine and we're
0: not. Yeah. Well, I feel like the whole, um, you know, like, be prepared after, I took it as, like, be prepared with a degree, like, get your good grades and, like, you might get a job. I didn't realize that, like, be prepared that your identity is going to be confused. Yeah. More than just... Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I,
2: I, I, like, went through this crisis of, like, okay, I just spent my entire life preparing for something that I'm not going to no longer be able to do once I'm done with school. So you're just Mm, like, yeah, I I would beat myself up. Like, why did I, why did I put so much into a silly, you know, game? Like, why did I put so much of myself into this? Like, why didn't I, you know, pick a career or something? Because like, I, I still don't know what I want to do. And I've, I've never had that. And like, I get so jealous of people who are like, oh, yeah, after softball, you know, I'm going to be a nurse or something like that. And I'm like, no, like, I'm going to be a softball player. Like, I want to be a softball player. That's all I want. And so then you start yeah. backtracking of, like, where did I go wrong and why did I? I felt delusional of that. I even, you know, yes. spent my whole life doing this, you know? And honestly, I think, Riley,
1: that's why you and I bonded so heavily because, like, we viewed softball as, like, our the best thing, yeah no it was like we loved it so intensely it mm. like wasn't funny like it was yeah. it was problematic honestly I'm sure. <laughs> we were so obsessed with being good and wanting to be good and like learning and like because riley is the same type of player as me it's like she's gonna go hard until like she physically is on the ground like unable to do something you know and I feel like that's why we bonded so heavily was just because like, we didn't have to say that. Like yeah. I think that's the first time I've ever said that out loud. And I just kind of find, found that realization. I think that like, we were just deeply connected to the sport and it gave yeah. us something to really bond over. So mm-hmm. I appreciate everything you just said, because it was like, why did I just put all this emphasis on something that's going literally, I can't
0: do yeah. it forever.
1: Um, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And something else that I mentioned to you on the phone, Kendall, before we started this call is uh, something I didn't didn't realize until we talked it out on the phone was I was struggling so hard to find out who I was without softball that on my Instagram, I completely wiped everything softball related from my, from my grid. Like I archived everything softball on there because I was like trying to be like, trying to find out who I was without softball.
1: And I still commend you so hard for that because even to this day, like it doesn't revolve my identity, but there's a portion of me that will always want to talk about like my time playing softball. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so like the fact that you were able to like almost like pull that plug and granted they were archived, right? So we know they're still there. It's yeah. real. Like, they're but, back. like they're back. Um, <laughs> as they should be, like that was a huge portion of your life and you did some really amazing things. Like you were a hell of an athlete like you play professionally like you did all the things right but like it's just I just really like it was impressive when you shared that with me I was like no way like I I don't even think I could I I could physically not do that without bawling my eyes out and then immediately putting that back up (laughs) like there's no way
0: well thank you I just felt like I didn't really want to talk about softball anymore because I wasn't good at it anymore
2: Mhm. I I relate to that like after my after COVID hit and things shut down I literally ran away as far as I could from softball and like I didn't want to talk about it I didn't want people to bring it up you know and I, I moved to a place where no one knew me so I'm like oh this is going to be great like I'm going to try something I'm going to see what else I'm good at you know and then yeah I hated it and I wasn't good at it so I'm just like what do I do now like <laughs>
1: dude yeah oh my god it's so funny because like I mean in the you know since like a judgment-free zone and we're sharing things like (laughs) I hated COVID but the one thing that COVID brought me was a little bit of peace because softball was not aired every five seconds
2: exactly yes (laughs) and like
1: that and I I hate that because I was so distraught for like my former teammates who were literally losing out on potentially their senior year because at that time we had no idea what the deal was going to be or what they were going to do um and like my heart was broken for them because like I had the moment the most magical experience to like take my cleats off at in Oklahoma City right on the Hall of Mm -hmm. Fame Stadium um and so that broke my heart but like selfishly I was so happy to like not have something because my world was And of course it was, it was still, it was the second season I wasn't playing, but it was like a moment of of like real peace for me to be like, okay, there's other things in life other than softball. Mm. Um, and like, I, you know, I, that's, it's, it's very, it's a selfish thought, right. But like, it, it actually gave me a moment of like clarity and it gave me a moment to like, just regroup, you know, um. Covid sucked. Lockdown sucked. But like that aspect, I was so grateful for.
2: Mm Mhm. I agree.
0: I agree. If, if If it wasn't for COVID, I was on track to become a team coach, and I was saying every single day that I didn't want to be a team coach, but I was like feeling like I had to do that. And I'm so glad it didn't work out. Now I do private lessons, and I, I would so rather do that than like be on a team coach just because that's not what I wanted to do like I I was setting myself up to do something that I didn't want to do and then COVID made me slow down and realize okay I can still be involved with softball just in a different way yeah Mm. totally and and like
1: I feel like this is the first year I feel like I have my feet underneath me and softball doesn't run my world Mm-hmm. Um, in my, in my mind, at least like in my own personal world of like me living in my, in my own head, I feel like this is the first year of my life where I feel like I have new aspirations and new dreams for the first time that don't revolve around softball. And like, um, and it, it really sucks, but it's just like, time does that. And I remember asking yes. my dad, um, like the summer after I finished, you know, like, so this was like July, and you know I could drink and me and my dad were just having a drink and like it was just him and I my mom had gone to bed and I would just ask him I just like how do you do it you know like I know you loved baseball like he played in college a little bit professionally and I was like I know you love baseball just as much as I love softball like how did you do it and he was like he was like I don't know can you just do he was like time will heal it He was like I don't know how else he was like it sucks and it's horrible. And he's like, I make plenty of mistakes trying to go back to coach, trying to do this, trying to do that. And like, it wasn't, he didn't say these exact words, but in a nutshell, he was saying like, it wasn't enough. It wasn't like playing. So I had to just let it go. Um, And he was like, and that took me a long time, but I also, it's been a really long time since I've been in your position. So it's hard for me to relate to you because it's been years, you know? And that was really hard having someone like be that brutally honest with me that like no it's just gonna suck for a long time and then one yeah. day it won't um and like you know I'm glad he gave me that piece of advice so I didn't think that I was insane um, but like at the same time it was just hard to like really be like no like this is just gonna be your life
0: for a while mm-hmm yeah, that's something we didn't even talk about at all, which we're running out of time, but uh, is, <laughs> your, is that your dad was an athlete, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. So my um, it's actually funny. My dad didn't even know that softball was a thing. And we were walking out of Walmart, me and my mom and my dad and my mom saw like, you know, it was just like a pop up table stand. And people are asking if like, you know, do you want your kid, your girl to get signed up for a little league softball? And my dad was <laughs> like, that's a thing. Um <laughs> And they signed me up right in front of Walmart. We, like, got all the information and all the things. Oh and, yeah, I didn't start playing softball until I, I was in third grade. I started Little League in third grade. Um, so, like, and I'm, I'm an odd man out there. Like, everyone else was like, oh, I started two ball at four. And I'm like, what in the world? Um, I was, <laughs> like, I was dancing and hating every second of my life in a dance class. Uh, like, so it's just, like, so funny how, like, life does that. Like, thank God.
0: Meanwhile, meanwhile, me and Riley were born with a softball in our hands.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, literally. I I wish I had that time, guys. Like, please, someone, I wish that someone would put a like, softball me. in my little bit, like, bassinet or whatever it's called. Chris, I go. was
0: running around the outfield chasing butterflies. You didn't miss much.
1: <laughs>
0: Still, time <laughs> that I did not have, guys. <laughs> okay since we're running out of time i'll let riley ask a question and that'll be it
2: we'll we'll crank it back here what was one of your favorite moments while competing
1: oh my god um can i have two sure yeah okay cool um, so my <laughs> um my first day as a true bulldog like getting to actually put the uniform on um and I didn't think I was going to start by any means. I was like, dude, I just got here five weeks ago. Like, Hey, no way. I'm going to be in this starting lineup. Um, and I was perfectly content with that. I was like, you know what, I'll work my way up. It'll be fine. You know, like all this stuff, like I was mentally prepared for the grind and 10 minutes before the game started, I saw my name on the lineup and I was like, Oh my God, this is really happening. Um, Holy crap. And, um, that And I had a pretty good outing that first game, and we had a double header, and we were going into the bottom of the seventh. We were down by three runs, and I was batting nine hole at the time. And the first three batters got on base. Like, I, I walked up to the plate, no outs, runner, bases loaded, and I was like, oh, this is, like, serious. Like, this is – I knew going up to the plate, like, this is a moment where, like, you have to really show – what you're made of. Um, and I will never forget this at bat. She threw me a rise ball right in my face and I so sw- straight up whipped it. And, um, and I laughed, I literally laughed out loud cause I was like, wow, starting off real good here. Um, and then she threw me a change up. It was a strike and I obviously did not swing because I wasn't ready for it. And I knew they were gonna come right at me. I was like, dude, you gotta just, if it's a strike, rip it. That's literally what I told myself. Cause I was like, they think that you're Bush league and you're just gonna get out. They're not gonna pitch around you. They're just gonna go right at you. And I uh, did a, I hit a basis clearing triple and like the excitement from my teammates. Like I got to see my parents up on the stand cause of how Georgia is. Like, it's just like, you could literally see everybody. And, um, and I just remember thinking like, this is literally one of the best moments of my entire life. Like I really like showed up and I showed out and I proved myself in this moment. Um, so it was like my first like real, um, amazing, like stupendous hit, That's I guess awesome. you could but, say. Well, um, wasn't it a Georgia O2? uniform?
0: Wasn't it O two O2 strike?
1: Yeah. O2 strike. I, I yeah. knew, I just had a feeling. I was like, this girl's just going to throw it. Not right down the pipe, but she's gonna throw me a strike. Like they you're think
0: right. that I just say like, can't that's do this. Like, that's like offensive uh, to throw an O2 strike. Like hell yeah, you're gonna rip it.
2: Yeah, yeah, basically.
0: But and I mean, this
2: this gives yeah. me, sorry, this gives me chills because I was watching this live on TV. Like, are you serious? Dead ass, oh my god, dead ass. I was literally before you started when you started talking about the bases were loaded. I was like, this is her triple. Like, I remember this like it was yesterday. I'm not even joking. Oh like, my God. I know yes. I was, Oh my God. Like, I, I mean, obviously like, you know, me, I was hooting in the hollering in Stillwater.
1: <laughs> oh my God. I know. I miss watching college football with you. That's for sure. But, <laughs> um, but, and so my second one. I'll try and go as quick as I can, but um, it was, I, I knew it was the last time I'd ever be, um, like playing defense, um, I just knew I had a feeling, and I was at the College World Series, and I was warming up with one of my teammates at the time. It was Kaylee, and I remember thinking like, "Oh, this is a moment," you know. Like, and I and I I was reflecting on what a great outing I'd had just at the World Series since. I got in there and I played really well and I had some really good basics and all this stuff. And I remember just looking out at every single person on the field that I was playing with and thinking like, man, like this is really it, you know? Um, And, and then I ended up getting like, I was the first at bat, um, that next inning and we were down by like four runs. And I just knew that we, you know, the odds of us coming back were slamming. But I got a base hit like I was the first batter up that following inning and I got a base hit. So that was really awesome to also like finish my career with a base hit, obviously. Um, But I just very vividly remember that moment thinking like this is this is the last time you're ever going to play defense. And I also love being an outfielder more than anything in the world. So like I think that's why I had such a like um, emotional attachment to that moment because I just knew like this is the last time you're ever going to be on a field playing defense in a live game.
0: Both of those moments are really awesome. And that's what we love to hear on this podcast is like those awesome moments. Yes, there's so much struggle, but it's so much, it's so worth it in moments like those. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and that was also kind of the moment that I was thinking, I was like, man, like all of it was so worth it. You yeah. know, like I remember looking at my center fielder, my left fielder, my shortstop first, But you know, I mean, all the, all the people that i had just been like, and I remember looking in the dugout too. There are people who are like our DHS and our like pinch hitters and, you know, uh, the people who, you know, came in after like not the starting nine, but just how, what an important part they played in my journey. And then us getting to the world series too, you know, it was just like, it was just that moment of being like, man, it was so worth it all of it all of that hell was so worth it for this like moment of heaven
0: yeah and you know it was so worth it when we spent the first half of this podcast talking about all the struggles you had and then (laughs) yeah I think this with all the great things that have come out of it
1: no yeah I mean my life was beautifully scripted within the soft um just like even going to Oklahoma State I would that was, like, one of the hardest a couple of months of my entire life, but I wouldn't have changed it for the world. Like, being able to say that I met X, Y, and Z, been a part of X, Y, and Z, like, it was just cool. It was, I mean, just, like, really, really cool.
0: Yeah, the opportunities that sports bring you is just amazing. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, especially, like, being a part of this podcast, like, and I've already told you this on the phone, but, like, I absolutely love, live like, the thought that was put into this podcast and why it's called rose Middle and all this. It's just like, I'm just obsessed.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and thank nice. you. Um, it was an honor having you on the show. Like I learned so much from you and you're just an inspiration and I just feel so honored to have you on this podcast. So thank you. And before we wrap this up, uh Riley, do you have anything else? Of course I
2: got something to say, yeah. <laughs> Of course, but Kendall, it's always a pleasure. And I just want to thank you for, the amazing friendship even though it's been a distance friendship you've been there for me every part of the way and I I think about you at least once a day probably you're always in the back of my mind and I'm just so happy for you and it just you're thriving and I knew you always would so I'm just I'm so happy that you know we got we're in each other's lives
1: guys please stop like <laughs> Y'all are just the sweetest, like, I, it's an honor for me to be a part of this podcast that you guys are putting together, and, you know, it's always so nice to be able to share my story, and, like, obviously having Riley here is um, just even, like, more, more icing on the cake, like, if that's allowed on your cake, um, but I just, like, <laughs> i'm i'm so thankful thank you guys so much for letting me share and go off on my own tangents and just like truly thank you guys so much and i'm so excited to watch rose metal grow thank you we love
0: tangents so yes <laughs> we love tangents thank you for listening to this podcast if you enjoyed listening please be sure to follow us on instagram tiktok and facebook at rose metal foundation and twitter at Rosemetal org If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it and leave a review. It really helps us by spreading the word. Sign up for our newsletter to get weekly updates from us. Another way you can support us is by making a donation at rosemetalfoundation.org forward slash donate. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, so your donations are eligible to be tax deductible. So far, we have shared the stories of over 40 current and former athletes, and we have a mentorship program called Championship Mentoring.